Recorded live at the Hawk's Nest on the summit in Pataskala, Ohio. This is Garage Days Underproduced and Over the Top. I'm your host, Arch Madness. On this episode, my guest and I are going to be sampling Iron Maiden's new beer, Hellcat. Uh, the Gimme Five segment uh, returns tonight with our top five favorite Iron Maiden songs. And he's also going to tell us about his recent 102... <laughs> mile was that what exactly? very, very good okay yes, 102 102 mile uh pelotonia is it pelotonia some people say tonia some people say, say tonia, tonia. Yeah. Yeah. what do you say dave i, I it depends on the day I okay think, i think i use yeah. them both. okay fair enough fair enough uh technically this is his third appearance <laughs> in the hawk's nest uh one of my all-time favorite dudes uh the one and only dave man hey dave what's up dude hello Thanks for having me back. It's a hot and steamy one, so you're going to hear the fans in the background uh, throughout this one. Literally. Yeah, Yeah, not, unfortunately, not like those kind of fans. But uh, so we've had people perform and stuff here, Dave. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, artists come and they'll bring their guitar and they'll play. This one time, this uh, this cat, Anthony Clay from Green 13, he does the uh, Flight Pattern Bob, who has the night off, by the way, uh, theme song. Uh, He came, he brought his acoustic guitar, and it was a hot, humid night. And it started to rain, and we had the fans. And I'll, have to, I'll play it for you, Dave, but he did a version of Diamonds and Rust as the rain was coming down. Really? You could hear the wow. fans, and nice. it's just one of the cooler moments that we've had uh, on the show. So, anyway, that's what you're, you're going to hear that tonight. So, What was that Van Halen track they did? You could hear it. Like, wasn't it raining outside? They were out on... Uh they were like out behind the studio. Mm, you know what I'm sounds, I think it was from Women and Children. I was getting first. ready to say that's very Women and Children first ish. I don't know. Oh, well, why okay. did I even bring it up? I if know. I don't know the well, no, answer. it's but that's still kind of cool because you know someone when we share this on Friday, someone's going to ride under there. Hey, Take your whiskey ass. home, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or something. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. know. But uh, okay, so we're gonna do. Our, our top five Iron Maiden songs because I've I got think, a six pack. I think it was Women and Children first. I think it okay. was the I th- song. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, You'll wait with you someone. You can hear it raining. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I, you, well, that makes sense. If there's a song on that record Sorry, that would have that. No, no, no. That makes sense. No. So we're going to try Iron Maiden's Hellcat beer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, full disclosure. I ran out of bush light last night, and I did open one. So you can have three, and I'll have two. Okay, <laughs> so I like your math. Okay, so that's Sweet. I apologize about that, but that's just the, the way it goes. So we're gonna sample that beer. Uh, we'll talk about it. The uh, the the packaging and everything is just badass, Dave. It has to be if it's yeah. made. So you you can keep your cans, and I'm giving you the six pack, the, the thing oh, wow. if you want that. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, 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 for sure. So we'll do that. But before we even get to any of that, yeah. Dave, uh, the passing of, and people know that I record this on Wednesday, so I can, you know, kind of timestamp this. It was, it was yesterday when Charlie Watts passed away. And I know you're a Keith guy, but you're also the biggest Rolling Stones fan that I know. No way. And we've discussed this on this program before. Uh, talk about Charlie. Talk, t- tell us everything as a fan, man, when you heard. Because, I mean, this is, this is the first big one since Brian Jones. We, and I yeah. wasn't alive for that. And, no. So I, well, I I was alive, but I don't remember it. Right. But anyway, um, no, it's sad. I I can't say that it comes as a shock, especially when they, you know, announced he was being replaced on the tour. So you kind of knew something was up. I think the rumor is he had been treated recently for throat cancer. Okay. You know, I'm assuming that's probably what finally did him in, which is sad. But, you know, he's not Neil Peart of Rush, right? He, he, he was not the flashiest drummer in the world. And I think a lot of people don't really appreciate him for what he did. He was just a solid timekeeper yeah. with a jazz influence. And even by his own admission, I don't want to be a rock star. I just want to play drums, you know. But I remember as a kid, when I first saw the Stone, he just always kind of stuck out to me because he just looked weird. Because yeah. he, he just didn't look like the rest of the group. Right. And, and even when he was a young man, I thought he was an old man because he didn't look like the other was guys. He the, was he the Mick Mars of the Rolling Stones? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I, I'm sorry. No, I don't no. Mean that. It's your show, man. Um, <laughs> here's, the, the, what, here's the what bums me out part is that as far as Mick Jagger is concerned, 
Mick Jagger is the Rolling Stones. Okay. As far as Keith Richards is concerned, you know, I, I well, let me say, I think in Mick Jagger's eyes, the Stones are Mick and Keith. Okay. I think in Keith's eyes, the Stones are Mick and Keith, but he at least looks favorably on the something? other guys. You're it, not the first cat that I've had this conversation with in the last 24 hours. I well, mean, that's just... The Stones, that sucks, as, as long... I'll put it to you like this. As long as Mick Jagger is alive, the Rolling Stones will be alive. If Mick Jagger dies, I think the Stones probably come to an end. I, if Keith Richards died whoa, tomorrow... Whoa, 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 If Keith Richards died tomorrow... Mick Jagger would still have the Rolling Stones out there, and I bet you he would have rotating guitarists, right, you know, whether right, it's right. Eric Clapton or somebody else. He'd, he'd have this all-star lineup of guitarists to fill in. Wow. The Stones will continue as long as Mick Jagger is alive. Uh, but if, but if, if Mick goes, you can't replace him. And I know you, technically you can't replace Keith Richards either, but Mick will replace right. Keith Richards gotcha. and keep it going. Okay. All right, all right. Wow, dude, I never even thought of that. And, and Ronnie Wood, I mean, I love Ronnie. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I mean, still that, think, that I can see. That I could see. I think he's the second best guitarist in that role. I'm still a Mick Taylor guy. I always thought that uh, Mick yep. Taylor was the best. But they've had three guitarists in that position. You know, there's Brian Jones, then there was Mick Taylor, and there's Ronnie Wood. So, right. And they didn't even make Ronnie Wood a full-fledged member of the Stones until, like, I don't know, last maybe 10 years or 15 years, something wow. like that. All that time, he was a hired gun. What so, a weird dynamic. That, I never even really thought about that. If, 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 if Keith were to die, it might not stop. It wouldn't just be Mick Jagger. He'd keep writing that. I mean... You know, now that Charlie's gone, damn, that's, I mean, yeah. be him and Ronnie, that would just, I don't know. I mean, they didn't just... flinch to replace Bill Wyman. You're right. So they're, they're, okay. they, wow. didn't, they didn't cancel the tour because Charlie was sick. And you know what? I don't believe they didn't know the extent of his Yeah, how this decline. was going to end. Okay. But they're probably going, hey, we got all this stuff booked. We got to do it. And I, I get there's a lot of people who def depend on that tour for a livelihood. It's not just right. a band putting, you know, they, they keep a lot of people employed. But I, I'm just saying that it's just kind of sad that, um, you know, we like to have this romantic notion that it's these, it's a band of brothers and right. that they're all got each other's. No, I mean, Mick will just, he'll keep it going if he'll be the last one standing and it'll still be the Rolling Stones. This is a, a lead into this. If, because I, I got to, we got to talk about Gene Simmons. And, and the whole David Lee Roth thing, and then we'll get into Iron Maiden. But this has totally got me going down another road. So if Gene dies, does Kiss keep going? I think so. Okay. I mean, they're, they're already talking if, about licensing well, I, their Right, energy. right, right, right. And Dorsey has a great idea for a show, and I, we're, I promise, we're, Doris, we're not going to do it right now. He says we should have a show, have like four or five people on, and say who you would replace with each member of Kiss. <laughs> That'd be great. Wouldn't that be fun to yeah. do? So, so we, okay, so, we, so we, um, that's my ADD. So we're not going to go down that road. But if Gene, okay, if Gene dies, it keeps going. If Paul Stanley dies, it keeps going. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and you know what, Dave, what I was going to do, and I pulled the, uh, here's the actual story. And this has been going on for about a week, and we found out that the comments from Gene have been going on a week. But, uh I'm bummed, Dave, because I had tickets in Dayton, and I still do, for, for Kiss, but it's not, it's not David Lee Roth anymore. Can I ask you, is David Lee Roth on the ticket? This is underproduced. Let me go grab it. <laughs> uh, I'll vamp in yeah. the meantime. Riff like a jazz musician. Riff, wow. I, I, I'm not a musician, and I don't know how to play jazz, but... Um, Hell, anyway, if you've never been to the Hawk's Nest, it, it's, a, it's a fabulous, intimate location, <laughs> and I, I'm very happy to be here for the third time. It's not. It's, it's not. just, no, no. Well, it's just kiss into the road at okay. the Nutter Center. There, there's a reason why. Uh, I believe this law still stands. If, if David Lee Roth's name was on that ticket, okay. you, would, you would be entitled to a refund. And that's why in a lot of cases they stop putting the opening act on tickets. Uh -huh. Because, you know, you've all heard the stories about bands getting kicked off because yeah. they were upstaging a headliner or this, that, and the other thing. 
I, I could be totally high right now, but I'm pretty sure that there was a law somewhere that changed in the concert industry that if you bought tickets and, and you went to see one of those opening acts because their name was on the ticket and if they're off, now it's, you may have had no intention of going to see the headliner and right. you, would, you would be entitled to get a refund. All right. So well, full disclosure on this, I mean, I, I, I go, if Kiss is close, I go. Mm-hmm. So it was just really cool to think that Dave was going to be yeah. on there because I ne- I don't know when I'll get a chance to see him again. Right. So I was that's I guess that's what's got me bummed about the whole thing. Right. Uh, you know I was going to read this whole apology from from Gene. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He says he hurt Dave's feelings, and my comment today on the air, Dave man was, uh, it's not about his feelings. You disrespected him. That's what the, that whole Elvis thing was. I, I, don't, I mean, it doesn't, I don't care. Dave doesn't give a shit about his feelings. It was just like, wow, man, that was, that was pretty disrespectful to kind of throw that compliment out and then tag it with, with the, uh, the bloated fat Elvis on the, on the bathroom floor. Something tells me, Dave, you're going to have a whole other take on this. It's like, <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Do, do you think that that was a, uh, a gene double whammy by saying, I, I hurt his feelings AKA he's a pussy. Oh, that's exactly what that is. That's exactly what that is. That's exactly. And that's why when he, when he was, when I heard this for the first time and it was off us weekly and he, it wasn't like he called Dave. It wasn't like he called or texted somebody or or, no, this was on a show that he was going to about in about 10 seconds after this apology, he started talking about his art. So, you know, his paintings or whatever he's doing. But yeah, so no, this was, when he said feelings, I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. I was like, ah, that's not cool. That, that's, you know, I, I want to take the apology. Listen to me, like I'm accepting the apologies for David Lee Roth. But, I, but that just, when he said that, it made it sound like, you know, oh, it's poor well, Dave crying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, it sounds like the rest of the apology is somewhat heartfelt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I guess. So, so it's I, Gene Simmons. That's about as good as it's going to get. Yeah. So I don't know if that really was an intentional double whammy on his behalf. Like, yeah, I'll apologize, but I'll stick him I'll one stick more this. time. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not. Okay. But All right. Whatever. Fair enough. So, all right. So your thought about the, the whole thing. And I'm going to see it because, I mean, and I also said this, Dave, that I wish Gene wouldn't have done that because a lot of guys my age are huge Kiss and Van Halen fans, especially in that late 70s, if that's when you were kind of weaned on, on rock. And it's just, you kind of put us in a tough spot there, man. It's just like, dude, don't, Kiss doesn't bash Van Halen, but I know there was, anyway. I, just, I, I, I still think, deep down, Gene wants the full credit for discovering Van Halen. Okay, all right, all right. And if you go back and listen to those demos that he helped produce, they were fantastic. And I think Gene is. That's a good point. He's dude. pissed. I mean, they okay. got away. He probably wanted Eddie and Kiss. I mean, they've talked about that for we a have long heard time. That, yeah. And and then and then Van Halen goes on to become you know one of the biggest acts in the world at a at a time where, quite frankly, Kiss was struggling. It's got to be tough to stand okay. back and watch. That's a that. good. That's a great other perspective on that. That's true. He still feels a little slighted that it. But the, having said all that, right? <laughs> you ready for the second part of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you look at all the shit going on in the world right now, and, and I, I know this is not a political show, and I'm not going to take it there. <laughs> Don't you dare, Dave. When you look at what's going on in <laughs> Afghanistan right now, yep. and I don't care whose fault you think it is, when I'm just talking about the sheer humanitarian crisis and we're and people are going to sit and and discuss what Gene Simmons and David Lee Roth. I mean, there there are bigger things to worry about right now. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm not bagging on you for I this. Know. I know. Well, I but, just but because I've got to discuss it. Dave. No, I, I absolutely. But my to, to my point, and I, what we'll flesh this out is that Gene and, and Dave both live um, sheltered insulated lives okay so for them to go back and forth about this sometimes i don't think they even realize how petty it makes these people look yeah you got people facing young rock guys but i I know what you're saying i know what you're saying that there's just a lot and you hit it on the head earlier gene's got something to sell gene's been doing this long enough so he knows if i say something controversial 
whether I mean it or not, who knows? He could have called Dave up and said, I'm going to do this and you do that. <laughs> I, I don't know if it goes that deep. But Gene is a master it promoter. Would, kiss, kiss is back. Shock me. Yeah, yeah, nothing but shock me. Um, he's a master promoter. He knows the best way. To, they're back on the road with the, the tour. He's selling his art. He, he does these quotes, and his name stays in the press, that, that he knows how to do it. And Eddie Trunk, I sent you that tweet today, but Eddie Trunk had a, uh, a comment just basically saying, where's this all coming from, Dave not being on the, on the road? Is this coming from Dave? Is this coming from Gene? You know, at first, I thought it was just Dave pulling out. There, no one's really said, I guess, uh, from what I was reading online today, that uh, Stanley was on... Uh, I think some sort of uh, satellite show or whatever was asked and kind of danced around it. Gene has never said, and of course, David Lee Roth doesn't even talk anymore. I mean, he just paints and puts up funny pictures and, and memes and stuff. That's kind of what he does. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even really he comments. So who knows? My thing at the beginning, I was thinking, and it, we can kind of wrap it up here, I guess, but what if Dave is still kind of bummed about Eddie? Maybe he doesn't want a tour anymore. maybe this is affecting him a little bit more than we thought. We haven't really heard from from Dave. Dave's just been painting and stuff. He's been as quiet as Al has, man. Maybe maybe that just was like, all right, I'm out now. Because he was doing his own thing. He was doing the solo stuff. But the actual end of Eddie's, I I don't know. That's something I'm like, man, that's why I kind of wish Gene and Sammy – those guys would just kind of. Sammy just needs to shut Just back up, dude. Hole. I've got Van Hagar friends who are tired of listening to Sammy talk. Just, man, guys, back off. Everybody's dealing with this a different way. I think, I think Sammy, if you read his book, he's got a lot of guilt for what he said about Ed. Whether it was true or not, and it might, it probably is, but he put that stuff in the book, and that's why Ed would never really have anything to do with him. And he keeps talking, well, there might be some songs out there that, that were unreleased. There might be this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dude, shut up. And he was bagging. He was making fun of Dave getting kicked off of this tour, or for whatever reason, Dave's not on this tour anymore. And he was mocking that. And it's like, bro, just shut up. Again, you know, Sammy. God, I'm sick of his mouth, dude. Well, and aside from being a musician, Sammy is an entrepreneur. He's made probably hundreds of millions of dollars off his tequila business and, and other More so than ventures. music, probably. He, he doesn't need to do this. No. I, I, he again, was not the first singer in Van Halen, and I think it still drives him crazy. <laughs> It's just you'll never be you'll never be the first guy. I get it. Your voice lasted longer, and uh, that you sold more records than those first five or six. I get it, Sam. But damn, he I don't think he really okay. can deal with being number two. Well, look, he's being he's being number two. But remember, he had there were people saying way back before Van Halen even recorded, you should have Sammy instead, and. There was talk of that going back to the early days. So now if you're Sammy and you're looking and going, I could have been there from the get-go. That's your Gene Simmons example too, Dave. And DLR might have never even been in the picture had they just called me and there would have been no David Lee Roth. Wow. So maybe that eats at him and keeps him up at night. We should have a, probably somebody already does it, but we should have like a rock and roll conspiracy. Conspiracy show. Yeah, because the light's hitting you, Dave, just right, and you're telling these stories, and it's almost like. Is it an Alex Jones it's vibe? A, it's a, it? well, no, no, no. It's not Come a, on. No. <laughs> uh, it was more of a George Norrie of, of okay. rock and okay. roll vibe. Okay. Wow. But, uh, wow. All right, so here we go. Iron Maiden's Hellcat beer. This is underproduced, so I'm going to walk over to the beer. I even have a couple Iron Maiden glasses I for see us. that. I've, I've been salivating since I walked in and sat down and this is going to be a delight you know Archie on my timeline on uh, I think it was Facebook or Instagram or whatever it was thank you it was just a little bit over two years ago uh, that Maiden played down at Riverbend in Cincinnati that's right which was a a fantastic show and uh, so that brought back some great memories yeah man so uh, Brewdog uh, Brewdog doesn't do very uh, no complaints with that. Whatever they usually do, I mean, they usually hit it out of the park. So, uh, but this is the Iron Maiden Brewdog Hellcat. Uh, check out that even the packaging, Dave. Right? 
Now, I, I excuse my ignorance here, um, mm-hmm. and I haven't really done my homework, but yeah, I, yeah. We, wh- why Hellcat? I mean, just because there are so many great other, there's so great, much that's other a great question. symbolism and stuff in Iron Maiden songs, right? you know, why not call it Hallowed Be Thy Name? Or, <laughs> I mean, right? Or Killers, or I, I, yeah. any number of things. I, I don't get where Hellcat comes from, and I'm not... I don't know why they would approve that, but I, yeah, I, God, I've got a I've got a Dave Murray tattoo, and I don't have an answer for that. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> Do you have a Dave Murray? Tattoo? Oh yeah, when I when we went to that show, second row, and I caught that pick. Uh huh. Yeah, I went. I got that pick tatted on my arm. Isn't that crazy? Was, was that the uh, Maiden Dio Motorhead extravaganza yes. that we went to at yes. uh, Polaris? Yes. What a great time! How man. I don't know how many times you got to see Dio. I think you got to see Dio in the '80s. I did, but I, I mean. That was always a, a very, very special thing when you got to see Ronnie James, and it was that was really cool, man. Remember how we, key, couldn't, we couldn't stop, stop laughing at his keyboard playing? I know, dude. Scott Warren, I think, is his name. Mm. Scott, if you hear this, I, no, no. We're sorry. We're we sorry. didn't. We did not mean it that we way. Were we were juvenile. We, yeah. Uh, so there you go, Dave. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Tasty. Uh, now, I don't, and I know that's what I always enjoyed about uh, your six-pack, Dave, was you were able to really explain. You're very good at explaining what you know, you'd be a great food or drink critic, Dave. You're very descriptive and you do a great job of that. I am not like I. This is I drink Bush Light and I'll grab an IPA from time to time. But I, I like them when they're bitter. I like them when you know. I don't know the exact terminology and, and, and stuff like that. But this is a, a six. This is a six percent. Just throw in words like hints right? and notes and no- every now and then, <laughs> and especially notes because right. we're talking about a musical thing. I see what and, you did there. People will think that you know what you're talking about. This is a, an American India pale lager. It's like three different types of things there. I did, but it's American, it's India, and you're thinking pale ale, but it's a lager. So then they do that. There's like all kinds of stuff happening here. I think it has a cool flavor. Like I said, I like things with bite a little. If I'm going to have an IPA, if we, let, let's yeah. do it. So, but I, I think it's a great taste in beer. Well, I think it's because it's a lager. It's got a, a nice uh, crisp finish to it mm. it's got a, it's, how are the notes um oh it does have a crisp see dave that's what i'm telling you that's why i thought you'd be great at this it, it's not uh it doesn't overpower you with a with a hoppy taste or anything like that and this is the kind of beer that you could have on a on a hot muggy night like tonight and find Perfect. it refreshing yes without it being real heavy in the gut boom i well that's all right oh. Yeah. What do you think of that packaging, though? That label's sweet, though. I, and I, now you've got me thinking about the Hellcat. And there, there's probably some really obvious thing that's going to make me look like a more of a total dumbass. Well, I know. I don't I'll, I will ed- I'll edit that out. Um, you don't need to do that. I'm, well, it's just it, it's supposed to be underproduced, but sometimes. I'll say this, and then we'll move on to our top five all-time favorites. Uh, the H and the E and the L, it kind of looks like the uh, Helix font more than it does more than it does the uh the main oh oh, heavy metal love that's a good one i can play that on my 420 haircut every once in a while i loved helix man that was a great album no no rest for the wicked all right dave top five did did you like it i'm sorry before we even get into five but okay but it says trooper on the can right 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 so drinking out trooper um I, I guess the Hellcat well, is like a subset here's, of Troopers. Here's the thing. I've got the guys from BrewDog coming in uh, in a couple days. And it's, it, it, this, this, it's, it's them and then uh, the mayor and some folks from Obets. So it's about the Zucchini Fest oh, gotcha. and, and BrewDog's a part of that. And when Dorsey <laughs> shot him an email over, when, he's when like... When you said the mayor for a second... Yes. I thought you and Andy Ginther were going to hang out. No, no. And chum around. No, and, that's... that's not even talk about how bad the cops are and defund the police. <laughs> you waited until I started drinking the Hellcat to bring that up. So, but I'm gonna. They, Dorsey asked them to bring some Hellcat. So hopefully the the, the gang from from Brew Dog uh, will do that. So I can uh, I can ask. People are gonna. You know they're just gonna beat the shit out of us in the comments. It's just gonna be brutal. You, you guys say you like Iron Maiden. You guys don't like Iron Maiden. How could you not know this? Yeah, you said Power Slave was your first album, Archie. 
It's that verse and rhyme in nature. Anyway. It's Steve Harris's cat's name. I can't believe you don't know that. <laughs> you watch, dude. It's going to be something stupid like that. But no. All right. So here we go, Dave. Uh, the Give Me Five segment. You want me to start or go because ahead. you're you're kind of... Are you still are you still researching over I'm, there? No, I'm good. I'm good. Mm. I was just going to try to find the website, but I got my I got my picks ready. Okay. Well, why don't you do your pick first, and then while I'm talking, okay. you can. So uh, our gimme five is our top five favorite favorite. So this that takes the sting off of why didn't you best have? ever? Yeah, yeah, right. That takes the sting off of it. So uh, what do you got at number five, Dave? At number five. Um, <clears throat> It is a, uh, a track that, a little bit of history to it. Um, it's The Klansman. Yeah. And the only version I know of this song is from the uh, Live in Rio album, double album, the live set, um, which I'll also say I think is their best live outing ever. Um, nope. And, uh, you know, he. Th- this is a Blaze Bailey song. Right. And so for Bruce to, to take it and do it on his own, and then even down in Cincinnati a couple of years ago, he introduced this song and basically just said, it's not spelled with a K, it's spelled with a C, right. you know. And right, right, right. Don't be a moron and think that this is anything about the Klan and, and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think it's a great song, and I think especially on uh, the Live in Rio release, he really delivers it and, well. And he's one of those cats, Bruce, that he never shied away, and I love his version of songs off the first two records, Paul's stuff. I, he's always he's never shied away from that. No, and, and, and we'll sing a Blaze song. I just, I think that's badass. I mean, that proves that you think you're you're the best. That, that you know, you're it doesn't very matter. Secure in what you do. You're very secure in what you do. Uh, number five for me, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, my first, yes. Now my first Iron Maiden album was Power Slave, Dave. So a lot of my my favorite. Maiden songs here are going to be like mid to late 80s. So the older I get, the more these the first two records uh, surpass the material that I even grew up on. I'm really appreciating those first two records more than I ever, ever did. Uh, so I, I just wanted to rep one of those first two. So that's why I went with uh, Phantom of the Opera. So I, I just, the, I have grown to really respect those. And I see why guys put that first maiden or killers up against anything that they did in the in the Bruce Dickinson era. I just I get it. To me, top to bottom, front back, inside out, the the album that I listen to straight through most often is Killers. Killers. Yeah. It takes me back to a great time. You know, these people that help you like clean crap out of your house, they say throw away anything that doesn't bring you joy. And I listen to it on the way. I just have a big smile on my face when I listen to Killers. And, and you got to listen to it from start to finish. Right. And it doesn't take that long. I don't know, it's probably 37 minutes or something like that. But every song on there, is, it just brings me back. And it's, it's, it's just fantastic. Just a couple years in our age separates things. Michael Hannon and I always have this talk. You're, you're Kiss Alive. Yeah. I'm, I'm Kiss Alive too. Uh, when you know you're going to be throwing out the, these songs from those first two records, where Power Slave was the first. That was the first. I mean, I knew about Run to the Hills with MTV and stuff. Yeah. But but and, and the Trooper. But but uh, Power Slave was the first record, my Maiden record that I bought, and then I was just hardcore into that for the next four or five years. Um, you're number four. Number four. It's a bit poppy, but I love it. Uh, wasted years. Uh, love the video. Um, it's worlds away, you know, just to your point. It's worlds away from what the first couple of albums sounded it's, like. It's my number two, so go tread, be nice to me, Dan. <laughs> be nice <laughs> and, to the 80s kid over it, here. It just, it's, it's a great song, and I just love the message behind the song. Because e- even going back to, like, you know, being at Q for 12 years, at the time, I didn't realize the fun I was having in my life. And I look back, you know, on, on, at being on the air at Q, and it's just that. I know, you man. Know, it, it, they were the golden years. Yes. There's, there's a lot of different golden years, but that was certainly one of them. And it's just a song about appreciating what you got in the moment. I love that. I love that. That's, and that's the reason I have it so high, too. It's just uh, Number four for me, Fear of the Dark. Uh, title track from their 92 album. Now, this song, I would say also in the last damn, and that's 92, so I mean, we're talking almost 30 years old, 
Fear of the Dark is almost 30 years old, but it's become more and more special for me because of the live performances. Yep. And that's the one thing we're going to talk about. You've already brought it up. I mean, Maiden live and what that means to, to, to Maiden fans and uh, the, those Maiden sing-alongs, man. They're, they're the best thing in metal. And, and uh, Fear of the Dark is one of those ones that just maybe not at the time I wasn't into it. I was probably jamming a little more on vulgar display <laughs> than, 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 than Fear of the Dark. But, but as I get older and, I, and I've seen Maiden here in these last however many years, that, that's just a favorite of mine to hear live. And it's a sing-along with the, the crowd. It's like a soccer crowd, Dave. A football crowd, as I'm saying in front of you. But yeah. My number three is Fear of the Dark. There you go. Boom. And, and again, especially the Rock and Rio version where yeah. everybody's singing. I love watching that's it on the, the DVD. Best. Me too, dude. Me and, too. Uh, Me know, too. The, 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 you know, ha, ha, ha. You know, when he laughs mm-hmm. at the beginning. And uh, it, it's just, it's a great anthem. And it comes from an album that doesn't get a whole lot of love, right. really. Right, And, and um, But you're talking there... to a Somewhere in Time fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about those Maiden albums that don't, that don't get the love. But you're right, that's, that's what I'm saying. It just, but the live aspect of it is what put it in our top five. How cool is that? Yeah, very cool. Uh, my number three is The Trooper. Uh, I, you know, I joke about it all the time, but I learned more from Iron Maiden lyrics than I ever did from a history teacher back in high school, Dave. That's, that's the truth, especially in the 80s there, man. Charge of the Light Brigade. And Dave, you can back me up on this. I wrote this little note down. But when it comes to radio, and if your PD is cool, you got two songs maybe, and it was going to be Run of the Hills and The Trooper. The Trooper always kind of sneaked in there as well. And I would love, well, I've got Dave Man on with me, and people ask, talk about that, the 1 o'clock classic rock request hour and how much fun that was. But I can remember going back and reading the list when I would fill in for you and stuff and, and look at the, uh, the list of songs that you were playing. You, you played a couple extra ones, though. I mean, you, you did a 22 Acacia Avenue, right? Didn't you, didn't you play a couple of those other ones? Did you go that deep? Maybe not. Um, did you, was it just Run of the Hills and the Trooper? I could have sworn you went a little deeper, maybe, especially on Peace of Mind, I may, thought. Maybe, maybe a Wrathchild or something. Okay. I, I don't know. All right. if, uh, All right. Here again, it, it's been so long. But right, but. those two songs, right, as far as like being in radio, and you've got to have a, a, a program director that will even let you right. do that. But those are the two songs. You know, another band that never got the blessing of radio, and, and for them to do what they did... You know, when they broke and, and, and did the whole, uh, you know, concert film live after death, they weren't getting any radio support. I, I tell Dorsey this all the time, Dave. I say, if uh, two songs, we don't have flight pattern, Bob. This is usually, do you want to hear this theme Ed, song Ed, anyway? Ed Force One flying over. Here he comes, oh yeah, it's flight pattern, Bob. So, so, so there's that. But you know what, Dave? You made a good point. That's Ed Force One flying over, and that should be what all the uh, Bob's take. He's worked so hard, so I gave him the night off. So, uh, but, but <laughs> anyway, those are the two songs. I told Dorsey, Maiden's Run to the Hills and Motorhead's Ace of Spades, I think classic rock, album-oriented rock, or even some of these... I think it should be accepted more. When you hear Run to the Hills and when you hear Ace of Spades, I think those are, dare I say, iconic. We could do an entire show on the mistakes of radio. And the the thing is, Mm -hmm. to your point and to my point there, um, (laughs) that band defied radio and just as Metallica did in the early years and the, the fact that they never got played on the radio but everybody listening to the radio bought those records so it's not like people don't know this music right. it so is, play it people the, know it yeah just fighting that it's it's a fight I th- I, anyway I, th- I think I know on our end, it's, it's changing. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that keeps going. What's your number two, Dave, man? My number two uh, is Remember Tomorrow. Oh, God, what a jam. It's just Mid-tempo. a... Mid-tempo. Yeah, and I don't believe... I don't think Bruce has ever tried to tackle that. I no. don't think... 
And it's just a great Paul Diano it song. It is a great Paul song, man. I've, I've been watching the uh, the DVD the early years oh, in love, preparation love for going, this. Love going back to those. And, and going back to those shows where it's uh, like the one live at the Rainbow, where, where it was a, you know, it was a Diano film, and of course yeah. live at Ruskin Arms, which is, it's kind of hard to sit through that because the picture quality and the sound quality is so bad. But he, he just did it. That was a beautiful song that he would sing, and... I think even Metallica did a cover of that um, on one of the, the past um, things, uh, an album or right. a B-side or something like that. But that is, um, you know, as I look at that's my list shit, here, I God, think that's good. Th- that is the only, it's funny because that's the only Diano song that I've got I in figured, my top five. I figured three out of your five would have been But it's, but the whole album is still my favorite album. Right, 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 right. No, I <laughs> yeah. get it, man. I think that was also that show you're talking about. That was the night they debuted the song Hellcat. <laughs> hey, let me do my number two, and then we'll get. A, then we're going to open up uh, another beer. You still got two left. I only have one left. Uh, number two for me is Wasted Years, and I don't know if there is a song, Dave, that I have it, with the quotes, the air quotes, cranked more in my 50 years on this earth than 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 Wasted Years. I think. This should be the third song as far from as, as far as what should be played and stuff. I think Wasted Years is that important to to to, to hard rock especially. Tell me, right? We we talked you you hit it earlier when you when you talked about it. It's just I mean that's that's talk about anthemic. You talk about it like an anthem. It's a sing-along anthem. Yeah. Like I said, I love the sentiment of the song. I loved the video with all the yes. just the, the, the million exposures a second of, of the band throughout the history and the years and and uh, do you remember the clip that MTV used to play Dave Mann and it was uh, it was Bruce Dickinson and it might have been from MTV News but he was talking about that and they had to kind of change it they were going to go with golden years but they didn't want the David Bowie connotation or whatever <laughs> you know but but that was kind of the, the the deal why they went with wasted years instead of calling it golden years. Yeah. Same same thing. Same yeah, the, the, yeah. the message is still the same. What's your number one, Dave? My number one uh, is "Hallowed Be Thy Name." Ah! It just it is the uh, I, to me. It, it's a Bruce Dickinson vocal, obviously, but I think the whole song paints a fantastic image. Oh, it's just um, the story, Dave. It's, I mean, that's... I don't know if anybody listening is, is a fan of, of Hammer horror movies, but um, I just, I completely envision like a Hammer horror movie as the video for this song. And the, the only thing that tarnishes it for me is apparently Steve Harris stole it. <laughs> oh, shit, really? Have you never heard of that? No. I, oh, um, they're... I don't know if it was the music or if it was the lyrics, but he, there, there were lawsuits filed for a while by, uh, uh, and I should have been better rehearsed for this, better prepared, uh, but they were sued over that song. There was a guy who said, I wrote those lyrics and you took them from me and blah, blah, blah. And I think even for a while, um, I don't know if they stopped playing it in concert but Dave, I, th- I think you're the cat that told me this a long, long time ago. I, I remember, I'm vaguely remembering hearing you retell this story of and litigation. I, and, and once it was in litigation, I, I could look I did, here, but I, I, I think no, like I on a couple that. of the live albums, they left it off in case they lost the lawsuit that they wouldn't have to pay royalties on those I'll albums. Be damned. Um, again, I, maybe I made all this up. Maybe I dreamt it last night, but I'm pretty sure that there's kernels of truth to ah, what a great song just that but the, the whole story about the guy coming to it i mean that was maiden man that was i think he, he's, battle, was, he's oh battling because he's scared shitless but he's, he's trying to pretend like he's brave and he's not afraid and, and he kind of waffles back and forth and nobody and, told stories like them though like like yeah. steve harris Let, yeah. let's 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 acknowledge you know as much as through the mouth please, of Bruce Dickinson, but the story is Steve. Yes, Harris's. and please don't take this the wrong way because trust me, I, I love Rush and I love Neil Peart, but from a metal standpoint, not 
kind of kind of the equivalent as far as what he meant to the band and the lyrics and the stories that he told and the way that he was so well read like Neil was. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just it's kind of cool. That's those two were pretty that's rare air to to really uh, take bands that are that popular, those two bands and and be such a, an important part of them because of your creativity and the way you write lyrics. I mean, the way they tell stories. I mean, they're storytellers, yeah. man. Without a doubt. All right, you ready for this? Number one for me, Winston Churchill's speech in Aces High. Power Slave, my first Maiden record. And I would say Kiss Alive 2 is the only, I would say it's the only live record that I have above Live After Death. I, I, that was such a big part of my, my high school days. Uh, and, and that intro, when I hear it, I mean, I'm, I'm 15 again. I'm 15 again. And, you know, Scream for Me Long Beach. It was the way that my friends and I talked to each other. Was, were, were different Bruce Dickinson-like isms that were off that record. But I guess when, when I go back to Fear of the Dark, and when, when you said that you talked about the Rio, and that's why I love that song, is that video and, and seeing it live and singing along and doing the oh. I mean, that's, that's, there's nothing that beats that. But there was something about that live record, that live after death, that I just... And I don't know if that counts, if you let me do the Winston Churchill, you know. It's your we, show. Will, we will defend our island, whatever the cost may be. And, you know, I just you had that. I mean, that's... I mean, my old, that's one thing. You know, my old man knew I wasn't going to get, like, awesome Winston Churchill quotes from Motley Crue. Did you know? So he was down with the Maiden stuff because he that knew. That Styx just put out a song that uses those same Winston Churchill quotes, and it sounds, it's just like, you guys. Is that the new Styx? Is that yeah, the new Styx? Yeah. All right, I, I, I got to be careful. I'm like, are you kidding me? You, you can't. Oh, this is sticks, forever bro. etched into the minds yeah. of Iron Maiden fans. I, I, you can't do it. No. Yeah, yeah, I did not hear that. But I've heard other things from that record. I'm good. <laughs> hey, did we now did we get everything out that we need to talk about when it comes to Maiden? I just want to make sure because well, I got two new they, singles out. You know, the the new album's coming. It's going to be a double album. the the first uh, The first single I dug this this latest is taking me a while to warm up to. But but the first one was really really cool, and it had a great animated, uh, almost yeah. an anime type video with along with it that I well, really dug. The, the second tune, uh, Stratego, I believe it's mm-hmm, called. Mm-hmm. It, it's got that galloping, patented Iron Maiden. Without a doubt. You know, yeah, without and, a doubt. Uh, but, the, you know, going back to their stuff, and I'll be the first to admit, um, Killers was the first album that I ever bought. And walking into the record store and seeing that cover art, it was like, I there's take my money. I, I got to have this. <laughs> and that was right? the first time that I saw an Iron Maiden album in the store. Then, uh, a while later, then the first Iron Maiden, I lived in this little, you know, tiny town. And so the first album finally became available, but I think it was that second album that had probably wider distribution. And then obviously Number of the Beast comes out and, and changes everything. And Peace of Mind was great. But you know what? After, um, after Peace of Mind... As far as going, I love the entire album start to finish. It started to change for me. But and Dave, you were in since Killers. I, I get that. But that's what I'm saying. That's what separates just a few years in our age, yeah. just a couple years. And that's, but you, you, know, you had checked out. I mean, but we, we have the same discussion with Def Leppard. I mean, new Def Leppard for you is, is like pyromania. New Def Leppard for me was hysteria. I'm, I'm a pyromania guy, and you're a high and dry. Or you're yeah. an on through the night guy. You're a high and dry I'm guy. I'm high and dry. Yeah, yeah, right? So, but the same with, 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 with Maiden. I can see where you kind of checked out. I get so excited when there's a release coming. But, like, what was it? Book of Souls was a two-CD set. And, I, and then I just remember getting it, and I, I, I play it, and I, I can't. Okay. I just can't. There was sit a couple good. There was a couple from, good tracks. There was a couple yeah. good tracks, and I and yeah. But we're at different points in our lives. You know, back then it was. <laughs> right. I was, you know, a junior in high school, driving a silver Ford Granada with mag wheels and the, uh, you know, the uh, vinyl <laughs> top, and I had my Sirwin Vega home speakers bungee quartered in the back seat. Nobody could sit. It, but my point is, life was just different then, and now music just doesn't. At least for me, it just doesn't affect me like it did <sighs> back in the day. I, I know. I know. 
But it's fun to go back down memory. It's fun to and relive it, those golden years. And I, I saw them on tour. Uh, I caught them twice in one summer. Um, and this was on, um, this was the Killers tour. And they came through, they were opening up for Judas Priest. And I believe it was something like, the lineup was something of the effect of Girls School, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. And then they came back like a month later and they were on the bill with the Scorpions, and I believe it was UFO. Oh, and, and UFO was the opening act. And oh. then it was Maiden. If, if I remember, maybe, maybe, maybe Maiden and UFO flip-flop. It doesn't but, matter, but, Dave. You know, but you it was win. the Scorps. And it, it, <laughs> but I'm just saying, oh. in, in that era, oh. and we used to go to the Met Center where the North Stars used to play hockey, and it was one of those lots where you could show up at noon the day of the show. Heavy metal parking lot, Heavy Dave. metal parking lot. The Met Center was here. Met Stadium was here. And it was just a jet, massive, wide-open parking lot. And people partied all day long, playing Frisbee and, and before the show. I mean, there, there was no cornhole or hacky sack back then. It was... Drinking beer and playing Frisbee. It's pretty frisbee damn simple. Or Chasing trim. Taking the, the double <laughs> the, the double album sleeve and cleaning out your bag, you know? De right? De de That's it. what you that did. Different yeah. time. Yeah, I know you're right, dude. It'll never be that. Cool. Now that you put it that, no, we're in our 50s, and it sucks. But I, I get it. But that was, yeah, damn. You, that was... You, you would camp out overnight for concert tickets, and all that stuff is a lost art. It is. You know, the show nowadays the show sells out before you can even get online and get a ticket and then you oh. got to buy a scalped version and then you go to the show and you can't tailgate and it's just like man it's just Before different. before uh, we get to, P to Pelotonia and and kind of wrap it up here uh, with a guy I've got coming up next week and he was in a in a band that came out in the late I, w I would love to know. I thought about this. So I'm going to ask you the same question. I don't know if I'm going to ask him, but I would love to know cuz this kind of makes this kind of ponies off of what we were doing there uh so i've got uh, the dude from tora tora come uh, he's gonna call me next week anthony quarter and do you think from the late 80s to the early 90s when there was kind of that switch in the music mm -hmm. if we would have had the internet then then like those tora tora for example those first two records surprise attack and Wild America. I loved those albums. And then they were gone. They weren't gone, but I... And that's still the same four guys. They're back together. It's the same four original dudes. But would I have kind of been able to not give up on them as far as maybe, you know, and not buy... I mean, I probably still would have bought the Alice in Chains and the, and the Soundgarden records but in Pearl Jam. But I'm just saying, do you, you know what I mean? I still would have loved the music that I was into. Do you think that we would have been able to, you know, if we'd had YouTube, we could still see what the guys are doing? Do you think it would have kept that music alive, or do you think it would have been gone regardless? No, I think it was gone. People, it, it, it was time for a change. <clears throat> would the sting have been less, though, Dave? Not to interrupt, but would the sting have been less for them to where they still could have, you know, effing survived? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think it was going to change. You know, the, those, oh, the, change, those bands I, had had the um, had MTV, you know, to, to promote them and make them big, and then you got to that point where MTV just stopped playing music videos. So, I mean, they they had the tools of the day at their disposal, and um, you know, so I mean, are you just trying to say if if I just wonder if a lot of those bands and I've when I uh, my buddies were the Knights of the Rock Table, we call that the lost era. And it's that, that group of bands that we liked, whether it was Tora Tora or Bang Tango. I mean, we, still, we watched Headbangers Ball, and yeah, we liked the harder stuff, but there were these bands that still were cool, with, like these new bands that were like, wow, man, these guys are good. We, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, was still, I still, as much as I loved Pantera and Metallica, I was into Tora Tora, and I was into Bang Tango, and I was, there was a way for it all to work out. And I guess... <laughs> well. It, and then it then it just it's like no I would have I would have kept supporting them those guys if I'd have known what they were doing and I had access to stuff. I guess that's my my point. I think some of these bands that they went away and and on a larger degree like Tesla or these other bands like I didn't want them to ever go away. Yeah, or I know they're going to say well we never went away man but but let's right, let's right. be honest Dave. Well there there was a. a a golden era, I believe it was in 
I think it was 91. Um, and, and I just, I saw a great article a couple of weeks ago about this. But it was right at that phase where grunge started, it, it came out. It hadn't taken over yet, but it came out. Right. It, there was a span of just a few months. I believe it was in 91. Metallica's Black Album mm-hmm. came out. Yep. Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out. Uh, Pearl Jam's debut album came out. Um, Soundgarden's debut album came out. I think Alice in Chains might have been in there. Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out. I mean, when, when you look at the enormity of all those releases, <laughs> right? and they all came out like in about a four or five month span, that was an unbelievable time. And really, that was... That was it for rock because after that's that, it for rock. Rap, I've said the same rap thing. Rap took over. That that's was it for the, rock. That was the yeah. giant fireworks grand finale <laughs> shit going off, <laughs> and it's been black and quiet ever since You're because right. because hip hop yeah. and all this other stuff and pop has I mean, taken pop, over. Yeah. and and um, damn, yeah, that was that was the final hurrah. Okay, as far as I rock being a mainstream blockbuster music for us wow you and, and your then, and you then, and your doses of reality and with then me country you know was huge in the, the 90s and yeah, it's but and, it, it's it still kinda, is it still is yeah. man it still is i the, the country bands all, all these country bands with the big hits all they did was they took the blueprint yeah of the hair metal bands and the power ballads and they just put twang on it and uh, and threw america in a little more yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, Tom Petty, God bless him. He, he called country, the, the, the popular country music, he said it's bad pop music with a fiddle. And he's, he's not, good. he wasn't wrong. He's not wrong. Before we get to Pelotonia and your bike ride, here comes my family. Yeah, but we call that the lost era. That's that part, those bands. We, but we had like our favorite bands from the lost era, Saigon Kick. Yeah. Is is in there, but that the, first album of theirs dude, is still one of my see, favorite right, albums okay. of all time. All right, then you're going to be on. We're going to have a uh, a Saigon Kick symposium <laughs> because there are people who like the first record. I've got buddies who like the first record, and then the Lizard. I'm more of a Lizard guy, but mm-hmm. I, I but it, it we are split down the middle. People are like, if you ever have a Saigon Kick show, Arch, <laughs> I want to be. I'm not kidding you, Dave. Would you want to be a part of that? Sure. Okay. Why well, not? You guys can come through this way. You can come through this way. How What's was up, practice? Coach? Is it okay? Watch your step. Tommy spiked again. He might have a concussion. All right. Hey, Foxy. Hey, how are you? Good. Yourself? I'm good, thanks. How was practice good? Yeah. Today was their first day of school, by the way, too. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. You were loving life today, huh? Awful. Awful. They were just excited, weren't you, boys? All right. Shower and dinner. Okay. All right, well. Great seeing everybody. All right, I'll be in in a minute. Well, well that's the way it goes, Dave. You said shower and a dinner. I'm yeah. Shower and a dinner. <laughs> All right. But you will be on the uh, Saigon Kick Symposium? Uh, honored and flattered. All right, I mean, and uh, you're, you're the first album, because i got to kind of divide this up. i got to figure this out. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got two guys with you, and I, I think I'll have two guys with me for the, for the Lizard. Isn't that great? But that we call that the Lost Era. We've done shows about all these this bands. This sounds like a tag team loser leaves town, <laughs> or a <laughs> it's all because Cage of Saigon match. Kick, right? <laughs> Who would have thought, Dave? Um, all right, let's let's talk about this. Pelotonia. Uh, I, I brought it up at the beginning of the show. I said 102 miles. Uh, I was correct, Dave. I I followed this, you know, online with you. I mean, this was. Talk about this. You went 102 miles. The training, the the like. I don't. I don't know anything about this. I know it comes through here, but there's different routes you can go. Talk, talk about this, and for people outside of Columbus, uh, that well, I mean, is Pelotonia everywhere, or is that? No, I believe it's Columbus specific. Okay, yeah. Talk about this and what uh, you did. Dave. Well, it's all to help end cancer. Every every dime raised goes towards cancer research. And so um, when, when you agree to ride, you can ride, I, I believe there's like a 20 or 25 mile option, pardon me, and then there's a 50, and I believe there's an 80, there's a 100, and then there's a 200. Okay. And uh, the 100 is doing a 100, or the, excuse me, the 200 is 100 Saturday, 100 Sunday. Oh, they split um, it up. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so 
when, when you join, in, in my case, for example, I joined to do 100 miles. So um, you have then a, a minimum fundraising goal of $2,000. So, and I, I don't say this to scare people away. I just, if, if people are entertaining doing this, it's important to know this. Y you, um, you're, you're going to be on the hook for $2,000 yourself unless you raise $2,000 in I didn't pledges. know that, Dave. So if you, if you come up with $1,600 in pledges, you're going to have to pony up the other 400, 400 okay. or whatever. Gotcha. If you do the 200 then I think your personal allotment goes up to three grand. I don't know what it is for the, the lower ones. But, I mean, it, it is a, it's a motivator so that you'll get on your social media and, and stuff and, and get people to donate. And so it's, it's a great cause. You, you, you raise this money and then you can choose what course. Now this year, it was my first year doing it. Um, and it was different because of COVID. Um, it kind of jacked things up. But the, the 100 mile course that I did, we left from downtown Columbus. Um, they kind of say it's like, you know, that McPherson Common, you know, from Nationwide. Um, at the other end of the park there, that you know where the arch yeah, is. Yep, yep. It, it's really more down at the far end, um, and I, don't, I can't remember if that's Spring Street or whatever. That's kind of where you take off from. So we rode out of downtown Columbus. I think we took off at 8 o'clock that Saturday morning. Uh, first stop is New Albany. That's about, I, I think, 20 miles in. There's a, a water and rest stop there and, and stuff like that, and you can get you know bike maintenance or whatever. Uh, next stop is like in Granville. That's it about, I think that was like 38 miles. And it's starting to get hilly at that point, Oof. you know. And then the next stop was in Hartford. That was at about the 53-mile point. And it's getting hilly there. And then there's another stop uh, after that. I can't remember what it was. Um, actually, there, there, there's two stops. And, and um, gee, one was... Uh, Gosh, it's escaping me. But anyway, um, from, from the final rest stop until the finish line at Kenyon College in Gambier, there's roughly about 20 miles left. And um, what they used to do is they would offer, you could do the more hilly option or the less hilly option. Um, this year they had to cancel the more hilly option because they just didn't have enough police presence to help work the intersections. Gotcha. Uh, so I did the less hilly option, and it, it was a, it's a torture chamber. Wow. It, it's 20 miles of climbing, and if you, you know, if it's rolling hills, you can kind of get a rhythm going where you can power down a hill and have enough momentum to get up the next hill. <laughs> this, this, was, this was you'd climb a hill, and then there would be no downhill because you'd climb another hill oh. and then it might flatten out a little bit and then you'd <laughs> climb another hill uh there was like over three thousand feet of elevation um is that right i, I think it was three thousand where the hilly ride i believe was four thousand and i was um i was so mentally spent at the end uh thankfully it clouded over and it started to rain with about 10 miles left and it wasn't raining that saved you a little bit yeah just to get out of the baking sun but the thing is, is that it makes the road a little bit slick. I mean, you're, you're talking about tiny, Those thin, thin tires, yeah. tires with no tread on them. Uh, but it was a great feeling of satisfaction to cross the, the finish line. And it's, it is 102 miles uh, total. And then the hardcores, um, you know, what it used to be was that you'd stay in a dorm at, at Gambier in, at Kenyon College. And the right. next day you ride back. Because of COVID, they didn't offer that. But they offered another 100-mile loop. <laughs> That was in New. It started and stopped in New Albany on Sunday. I'm cramping up listening to this, dude. I'm telling you, the the your your bum. Um, I can't even. I, I used to do the toss serve ride, which left from the state house downtown, and you ride down to Portsmouth, and then yeah, you spend I remember. The night, I remember you doing that. Yeah, and then you ride back the yeah. next day. Um, when you get on that bike Sunday morning after doing a hundred some miles on Saturday, not comfy. It's no. Yeah, no. Gold Bonnie doesn't have a fix for, for, no. for that. And, and, and the, just real quick, when, when you're talking about like training, you know, you can go out and ride and get miles in. Really, what you got to train for is just spending that much time in the saddle. It's not so much, for, in my case, it's like I can do the miles, that doesn't worry me. 
it's sitting on those tiny little bike seats for for eight hours. Is, Dave, is you do. You gotta, you've done how many marathons have you done? Uh, seven. Okay, so and this is a. I want to hear the compare and contrast. I mean, as far as the training, as far as your your weakest point, was it the same as uh, when you run a marathon or are they just two different animals here? It's two different animals. Running a marathon is, um, I have to do every speck of training. There, Those a, are so specific. I remember you would always like say, I have to do so much today. So, and then you work your, you wean yourself off and you work back up, right? Isn't that well, kind at, of a thing the, with, with a couple of weeks marathons? out, you hit what's called the taper where you start to back off your mileage because you mm-hmm. need to give your body rest. So you'll go out and do probably different programs are different, but roughly I think it's about a month out. You do like a 21, 22 mile run. And then after that you start to taper off to, let your muscles right. reset a little bit. Let you build your energy storage back up. I have to do every single training run, training for a marathon, which ends up being, I think it's about 500 miles that you run before you actually run the final 26. For Pelotonia, I should have trained more than I did. Um, but I, it, for me, it was easier to get through it on a bike. I could cheat okay. a little bit. Okay. I mean, face it, there's times where you can coast, right. where if you just stop running, you just stop, you know, or, or you're walking. So, it's the apparatus you're on that's the difficulty here, right? You're talking about longevity and long rides. It's sitting on sitting and just yeah. the, the, the thing you're, well, the and, mechanics and of it all is what's kind of a What kind a of pain. threw me this year, too, was that uh, I was on a training ride that leaves at a brew dog on, on Tuesday nights. And um, Hellcat. I had... Uh, <laughs> I cracked the back rim on my bike, and um, unfortunately, I took it into the bike shop, and they go, yeah, it's going to be a week for parts and probably a week to fix. I'm going, I got nine days until Pelotonia. And they're like, it's, you know, we'll do what we can, but right. it's not our fault. I'm like, I get it. Well, I had to borrow my neighbor's bike to ride it, and thankfully, he has a great bike. I only got one practice ride in on his bike before the actual event, and... Um, his bike, his bike handled great. Um, it's very similar to mine, actually a little bit newer, probably a little bit lighter. It's just weird being on, um, I mean, you played hockey, right? A little bit. Okay, so just imagine you, you got to go out and play, but you're using somebody else's can, skate, no, yeah, somebody yeah, else's yeah, stick, yeah. Somebody, everything is different. I don't like to use someone else's bat and softball, let yeah. alone hockey or any of that stuff. I can't imagine what that would be like to do something that's – a marathon well, and, and where you his, need it. <laughs> and no. his, his bike has different shifters than mine, so it took me a while to get the shifting down because especially when you get into the hills, yeah. if you don't shift at the right time, you'll be walking. You'll be pushing your bike up yeah. the hill because they're so steep, and thankfully that wasn't an issue. But Does that happen sometimes where people got to push? Just Oh, that last 20 miles, there were yeah. people just everywhere pushing their, pushing bikes, their bikes up the hill. Yeah. Damn, it's a great cause. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, no, Dave. You're an absolute machine. You are, man. That's cool as hell. Is there anything else you would like to plug, Dave? Man, while we've uh, while you're in front of a microphone here. Well, thank you. I I, <laughs> I have started my own uh, real estate enterprise, and I'm with Century Twenty One Excellence Realty. And uh, I know a lot of people say, "Man, the market is so crazy right now that I'm it, just I'm going to sit this out." It seems that way, Dave. It, no? it, it, it's crazy. There, yeah. There's no two ways about it. But do this um, if you're thinking about looking give me a call because I can help you. I'm working with a guy right now who I've got in contract. I've literally taken him to over 40 houses. It's taken us since mid-May. We've seen over 40 houses and I've got him in contract. Okay. Um, I can help walk you through all the pitfalls. It is, it's tricky and it's precarious and you're, you, you see a home and it goes on the market and literally before you can even get to the showing, it's sold. Um, there's a, but here's the thing. Don't sit it out. Don't wait because the interest rate is still low. And I'm not trying to sound like a, a shenanigan dude. No, here, dude, but I get it, man. You, I would, this absolutely. is the absolute, you, you're, you're going to kill it this day. But are you going to overpay for a house? Yes. Everybody is right now, right now. Yeah. but you know what? You're going to get it at what? Two and a half percent, maybe, maybe 3% interest. 
with with the way things are going in this country right now and with the guy calling the shots, we, we, we could be looking at insane interest oh, rates. I need another Hellcat. Insane interest rates yeah. soon. I mean, gas inflation is running away. Gas prices, are, everything is more expensive. If, if you're thinking about looking for a house, get on it now because get locked in at that low interest rate so you're not looking at the double whammy of overpaying and then paying monumental interest. So... I would love to help you out, 614-307-2469, 614-307-2469. Dave Mann, Bjorkland, and I, I, have to, I have to use my last name now. Oh, my goodness. Um, this is where, don't you in, dare say mine. In, in case people go, <laughs> I, I noticed on social media, you got that long jumble of Swedish letters. Right. That's my real last name. Uh. Be, real estate licensing requires me to use my real name. I can't just go by Dave Mann or whatever. So Dave Mann Bjorkland, Century 21 Excellence, I'll, I'll help you. I help people find homes and I'll help you. Dude, there, there ain't a cat sharper than you. I, I, I think you would thrive. I just, I, it's not going to shock me when you thrive at this, Dave, because you're just so well, dialed you. in with everything that. you do, brother. Everything you do. Uh, can you just, you're kind of a regular now, Dave. Is that cool? We just, I love it. I, 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 I'm, I'm not lying. When you texted me, what was it, three weeks ago or yeah. whatever, and said, hey, I was just like, I have been, I look, uh, I just, I cool. love doing it. I look forward to it. Cool, man. And here's the deal. Uh, Flight Pattern Bob is a snowbird. So uh, at the end of October, he's splitting. And so I'm going to have to end up, when it gets cold, I shut the garage and just kind of do the show in here so we can, uh, there'll be plenty of topics in the cold of, dude, think about all the metal we could talk about in here, Dave. In the cold. <laughs> I'll fire up the heaters and we'll just talk metal. It'll warm we'll the talk, soul. We'll just, yes, we'll, uh, we'll do just our favorite Saxon albums. That'll be the Gimme Five. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Denim, Denim and Leather, leather dude. Right on. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having Great me. Great talking it. to you, brother. Hey, on the next episode of Garage Days, lead singer of the band Tora Tora, Anthony Corder is going to be calling the Hawk Line. Uh, they got a new single dropping on September 3rd. And that's when that episode is actually going to drop. So all four original members, and that's what I was telling Dave, man. All, all four original members. You just don't see that. And uh, they still sound killer. Anthony's pipes are great. It's just a, they're still just a great band. Looking forward to talking to Anthony. Hey, until the next episode, stay frosty. I'll have to check that out.